Welcome to Passion Fruits, a passion project for passionate people. I'm your tomato, Daniel. Oh, man, not... Uh, we're going to have the tomato <laughs> no, as a fruit. Adam. Anyways. You need to uh, say your goddamn name. <laughs> I'm Adam, and I'm I'm your fig. Ooh. Yeah. You're not so sure about this one. Nope, not at all, but it's okay. And today on the podcast, we have a special guest. A very special guest. Yes. Over over the uh, over the airwaves, joining us. Yes, this is a bi-coastal episode on the East <laughs> yes, Coast. High tech operation. Yes. Uh, my name is Mark. I am a blood orange. Whoa, <laughs> he is literally. That's a- all I'm going to say <laughs> <laughs> for the rest of the episode. Yeah, I am a anyway, blood orange. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mark, for stopping by. <laughs> um, no, we have Mark on the episode today to talk to us about video game design. Uh, we, Adam and I both met Mark in college, um, and became the bestest of friends and played video games with him nonstop. And we all dropped out of college and now we're kind of just talking into the ether with our microphones. So, um, here we are (laughs) reconnecting. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so, I mean, let's just dive right into it and start talking about video game design. Um, Mark. Sure. Oh, and to, to make it clear, I'm I'm a professional video game designer. <laughs> we all just, just play video games in college. Uh, Shit, sorry. Do it, it's, do it to get paid. This is this is just this is just Mark um, and his bevy of YouTube comments about video games. Yes. That's all they yeah. are. Why are they so lazy? You know. <laughs> so it's uh it's. Pretty much this podcast is going to be you trying to describe to your grandmothers what video game design is. But yes, Mark actually does get paid for video game design. <laughs> so That's true. Yeah. And so, um, Mark, before we hop in too far, um, if you don't mind sharing who you work for and who, like, what, where, where you came from, essentially. Whoa. Well, that's, it's deep. that's a deep question, yep. yeah. Um, well, so I... So I, my full name is Mark Nada. I'm a designer at Firaxis Games. They're um, they're kind of well known to be kind of like the studio that Sid Meier, you know, built with Civilization being one of our biggest titles in the XCOM franchise. Uh, I started there in 2013, and my first project there was XCOM 2, where I was a designer and programmer. Um, and then I worked on the DLCs and its expansion, uh, War of the Chosen. And now I'm working on secret stuff that I can't talk about. Oh, um, secret stuff. Let's dive into that secret <laughs> stuff there, eh? But anyways. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I guess, like, where I came from, as far as, like, my start in the industry, you know, it was my first job, which was, like, super lucky. <laughs> Don't count on that kind of thing happening. Right. Um, but I, I did, in college with these guys, I was a computer science major, and then I went to at William & Mary, and then I went to DePaul, which is in Chicago, to do get a master's in game development, which was mostly focused on programming as well. Gotcha. Um, but while I was there, I did a lot of design for my projects, and we did outside-of-class projects with people there, because a lot of you know people motivated to make games in that program, obviously. Um, and then you know, I was really lucky that uh, Fraxis was looking for kind of an entry-level designer programmer type, which kind of fit me really well because Fraxis has a lot of like Sid's a designer programmer, um, Jake Solomon who is the lead on on the XCOM series, right. uh, designer programmer, um, and uh, like Ed Beach who is the current lead of of the Sid series also. Like so, it's a very 
for access thing, so it really fit my skill set really well. Nice. nice. Um, but well, yeah, I actually, I got the interview like on the day I was supposed to do like my final presentation for my <laughs> grad school, and I was like, "Well, see, ya, I'm flying out to." <laughs> 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 they understood, yeah. I think. Yeah, um, they probably did. I mean, here you are, you know, talking to us, so. Yeah, you, you I did really some- made it. <laughs> <laughs> you did something right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, our first section, Mark, is is Passion Fruitspedia, where generally uh, Daniel and I will uh, uh, lift information from Wikipedia. But we feel like this is an excellent, excellent opportunity for you to kind of brief us on what is video game design? How does it differentiate from like, programming necessarily and just give us a rundown of what you know what you do and maybe what your day-to-day looks like sure so you know video game design is kind of um it's kind of a broad topic but i think to condense it it's kind of the the process of crafting the player's experience in a game is kind of the most broad strokes way so that involves defining the mechanics and the rules and uh, what are the what's the player doing from moment to moment? What are their their goals at any given time? Um, and also stuff like you know how do I want the player to feel at any given time? Or you know themes and you know things that the game's trying to say. Um, answering questions like why would anyone want to play this? Like those things you have to think about. And then as a designer, you're, the kind of crux of your job is empathizing with people that would play your game players. And, you know, using that kind of your built-up experience from playing games and making games to uh, deliver on whatever you're trying to craft. Like, you're trying to make a horror game. That's a, you know, you use your kind of built-up experience to be like, oh, this will scare them. And, like, oh, they need a break here because we've been constantly scaring them. Um, <laughs> not that I make horror games because I get scared very easily. But, <laughs> Me too. Um, I can't even, I couldn't even look at the... Like the the uh, the title graphics for like fear. It was like ah, too scary. <laughs> no Aww. thank you. Yeah, ooh, I don't like that word. No thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Not for me. Um, yeah. So talking about game design, I know that that I I very much appreciate that definition or explanation that you gave. But in your job, when you're talking about game design, do you also design and I the. Like I know nothing, basically. Um, Period. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, so I'm done. Bye, everybody. Um, <laughs> Play the outro music. You're right. Yeah, we're done. Um, but when you say game design, are you also designing like any characters? Are you programming any of that stuff that you're talking about into the game, or are you kind of explaining how the game should go to then the programmers who are then making that work somehow in the completed game yeah so um so i was a a programmer for a bit um i've kind of moved into more of a pure design position because i am in charge of more of the design of you know the thing i'm working on hell yeah um but yeah as it should be am i right (laughs) um but so it I like to think about it as like there's there's stages like games are this really like drawn out process like it's a it takes a lot of time like so mm-hmm. there's these discrete chunks of your which we call like pre-production production and like post-production I guess 
Um, so pre-production is kind of like when you're figuring out kind of like all the big design questions, and that's that fits more into kind of like what I was talking about in the definition of like what do we want? What do we want the player? What do we want the player to feel like when they play the game? What is what is the experience we want the player to have in like a very general sense? And then you try to translate that into systems or mechanics in the game. And and during this stage, it's like how do we? It's figuring out what questions we want to answer. Like, can we make you know for XCOM two or something like that? It was like um, proving out a lot of stuff with we had procedural maps. So it was like, can we get procedural maps to feel? Good, like to work and be random, um, but also feel like it's a, you know, look good artistically and feel like they're put together real spaces, even though it's like this very algorithm, algorithmic right. thing that's putting them all together. Cool. Um, so, you know, figuring out questions you want to answer and trying to make a prototype as cheaply and quickly as possible to, to know that, oh, this approach is going to work. We can apply that to kind of the rest of the project. Gotcha. Um, so you do that for a lot of you know, parts of the game, like, very basic, like, uh, like, I'll just, I'll just come to it a lot as an example. So we had, like, a system where, with concealment, where at the beginning of a missions, you would kind of be in stealth, mm-hmm. um, and then you'd have this kind of big reveal moment. So we played around a lot with that, where it was, like, how much should we use this? And, like, for a while, it was, like, oh, you could get back into stealth if people didn't see you, and the game was kind of going in more of this stealthy kind of direction, but... XCOM, like, the combat with the aliens is, like, the most fun thing, so right. <laughs> avoiding them, like, ended up not feeling that fun. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so it kind of it became this more of, like, an ambush, like, mechanic instead of, like, a full stealth system. Yeah. So, so those are the kind of things you determine, because we knew we wanted, like, a more aggressive slant to combat than XCOM Enemy Unknown, which is the first one. Right. Um, which was very kind of reactive. Moving very slowly was kind of the best way to play that. Uh, so we yes. to be like, well, you can move, you know, you're concealed, you can move pretty far um, and then get the jump on enemies. Um, right. So that was kind of like the impetus of that. We're so. writing these notes down so we can finally beat XCOM. <laughs> so, all right, so <laughs> XCOM, enemy unknown. You got to like, just go in like very slowly, but then... Well, yeah, there's, you know, take a step and Overwatch was like the ultimate strategy or something. Good, right. that's um, exactly I what I do. It, so... Um, <laughs> You were but, like, uh, then, no more Overwatch. This is not how it's being done. Yeah, that's lame. <laughs> so, um, Mark, I, I, so, have a, I have a quick yeah. question around what you were saying earlier. So, uh, let's say... In- so, you're a blood orange. <laughs> <laughs> we're going back to the beginning of the episode. <laughs> um, like, given, given the scope of what you're supposed to work on, it's so like when you're boss hands you a project what kind of constraints are you working with then are you work you know is there a general timeline that you fault that you're supposed to deliver a game in are are there um like you know how, how much does budget fall into this you know if if we were to design daniel and adam's grand adventure and, and you will and, at some point <laughs> and the, the and the instructions were this is the title or this is what we think the title is and we want this to be the next Fortnite plus Halo, you know, what what kind of constraints <laughs> are you working with to to design that game from like start start uh start of the project to delivery? As you can tell, we are on the cutting edge of video games. Fortnite <laughs> plus yeah. Halo. So I mean, yeah. The Halo Reach re release came out semi recently, I guess. Um, yeah. Cutting but, edge. Uh, <laughs> cutting edge. The uh yeah, that's that's a good question. I think, you know, it, 
probably varies from studio to studio. I only know Fraxis. We have kind of, you know, we mostly work, not all the time, but work within our IPs that we have, like Civ and, and XCOM. Um, and then when you're determining what you're going to do next, like a lot of times, they'll, you know, there'll be assumptions about kind of what the studio wants to do next. Um, but the, the milestones within like a game project, they kind of, the team and game scales up like with them so you'll do an early one that we call inception which is like just kind of like the formal pitch to our director slash publisher about here's like elevator pitch of like all these things we want to do with the game and how you know the broad strokes answers to those design questions um player experience type stuff and then if that's like that sounds cool you move into kind of a uh what we call first playable where you make a prototype that proves out that some of that stuff has potential and could be fun hmm. and the key to these like early milestones um is that like if it doesn't work you know you can just stop and try something else right you know with certain projects maybe that's less likely to happen if it's like you know after you know civ 5 was a big success it was people <laughs> assume they were going to make civ 6 which we ended up doing right so right you know, they went into those Inception milestones with more of the, like, here's the things we want to change, not, you know, not, like, is this project going to happen? Right. Um, gotcha. But then, yeah, as you move forward, you know, so the, the restrictions that are on you, like, are, I think are what you kind of expect. If you're working with an IP, you, the general goal is, you know, still appeal to fans of that IP. Like, XCOM 2 wanted to appeal to XCOM 1 fans, but also, like, try to bring in more people and do new stuff with it and you know, not just, you know, rest on our laurels and do something like, which I find, you know, working with an IP is restrictive in some ways, but it also is a good, like, box for creativity. Like, what can we do to change this up and still feel like XCOM, but, you know, but maybe deliver a totally different experience in other ways. Right, yeah. Um, kind of evolving and establishing your own version of the same game that people like with the... Uh, same elements from a previous game, almost maybe, hopefully. Yeah, like uh, Sid. <laughs> Woo, Sid didn't has say a, no. <laughs> uh, no, that is completely wrong. Uh, so Sid has all. He has a lot of kind of game design nuggets of wisdom, but one of his is like the uh, rule of thirds, where it's. I think this like especially applies to Civ games. Like if you're iterating on something, like doing a sequel, you want to like do a third old stuff, a, th a third, like, change some stuff up a little bit, and then, like, a third completely new stuff. Huh, yeah. cool. Um, that makes sense. So, Mark, question for you is, oh gosh. the longer you stay, stay at Firax, when do you get to put your name on video game boxes? Oh, yeah. I don't know if that's a thing that people do anymore. <laughs> Aw. You should... I mean, you, you should I, keep tell, I keep pitching the idea, but... Shut right. Down. You need to stop creating the pitch art with like your face as like the main part of the cover art. So, like Mark Nada's XCOM. I don't know if that's going to work. But. Or, or yeah, XCOM, a Mark Nada experience. Whoa. Yeah. How's that? Yeah, yeah. Like a, Mark, a, Mark, a Mark Nada joint. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So we'll send you our um, we'll send you our design pitches later. Um, just, okay. Well. You know, I'll rev up my shredder. <laughs> oh, no. That's what you call your filing cabinet, right? <laughs> yes. It's got a picture of shredder from Ninja Turtles on right. it. Right. What if we email you our pitches 
and then you have to stretch your laptop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> jokes on you mark well darn it um well thank you mark uh for giving us that uh explanation of game design now i know that you kind of talked about how you got into it a little bit with earlier in the episode about how you got into game design and um what led you to computer science as your major and stuff but what wanted what made you want to take that path really um at that point in your life? Were you set on becoming a computer science major in undergrad or how did you get from then to now? Yeah, I mean, I I freely kind of, as long as I can remember, wanted to make video games. Like, um, I got a Sega Genesis when I was five and I was like, this is great. I love it. That's what I want to do. <laughs> so I went into college um, starting doing you know, I thought programming would be kind of like the easiest or best foot in the door kind of thing um, for kind of what I wanted to do. I'm, I'm not interested, or I'm not interested in doing like game art or character modeling or something like that. Right. Um, so yeah, I kind of going into. I just started. I did some in high school as well. So I, I knew I. I didn't. I don't think I knew that I wanted to like design video games for like since forever but i always knew i wanted to kind of like make them because they were like my favorite kind of uh medium that i you know interacted with um i I will remember i think the first time i met you mark you were like like we were introducing ourselves and we were like going around say stating our majors or at least our intended majors at that time and you're like hey I'm in computer science. You're like, oh, what do you want to do? You're like, I want to make video games. I was like, oh. And then my, no offense, my exact thought was, good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I was like, it's uh, it's tough. (laughs) Well, yeah, I I, I think you were the first person I'd ever met who had that intent. And then I remember being incredibly happy for you when you got to DePaul. And it was like, holy shit. Like this guy, like Mark's, (laughs) Mark's making moves. So Adam yeah. Adam threw out his betting ticket from Vegas <laughs> about whether or not you would make it as a game. <laughs> the, the over under on you was right. was uh, w- was unfavorable in my opinion. So you know. No, yeah, it's um, you know, it's a tough you know industry to get into. I I think I was extremely lucky that there was an opportunity open at the time that fit what I could do, and that they picked me to do it. Like, there's so many, um, there's not that many jobs. It's a you know, it's an entertainment industry at its core, even though it has some very technical jobs to it. It is, um, it's tough. Like, I have a lot of uh, talented friends of mine from school. It took them a while to, to find a job, even though they were clearly able to do, you know, make games and are, you know, thriving professionals right now. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, I, I definitely feel like I don't blame you for being like, yeah, right. <laughs> that's just the kind of guy Adam is. He's I mean, a, yeah. in fairness, at that, pessimist. at that time, I was like, I want to be an astronaut. <laughs> so you In know. college? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Oh, sorry. Gosh, gosh Daniel. <laughs> I don't get a lot of Adam's jokes, mostly because they're not funny. <laughs> Whoa! Oh, yeah. oh. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Thank you. I, <laughs> anyways. I'll get so, my air horn. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the follow-up question, question to that is, you know, you said you got your Sega Genesis at the age of five, you know, what, uh, what do you view as some of the most formative games in your, in your younger years? Like what, what, 
you know, what really hooked you. And, oh. you know, you, you don't have to say just Firaxis-based games, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, Firaxis is, you know, honestly a, a much later thing in my gaming life, mostly because they're, they're more focused on PC, and I had a lot of consoles growing up. I play mostly PC now. Because I'm an adult. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> damn. So we were no, I, play, I play my Switch a lot, too. But, um, <laughs> the games that, like, influenced me a lot, I mean, I, I definitely know the ones that I played, like, I mean, you guys knew me in college, I played Super Smash Bros. Melee, like, all the time. It's, yeah. like, my favorite game of all time. Yeah. I remember playing um, Left 4 Dead 2 with you a lot in college. Um, oh yeah, that was awesome. And I remember I, I have a distinct memory um, when I think Mass Effect Two was announced. We were we had lunch, and you mentioned that Mass Effect One was like one of your favorite games ever. And I was like, oh, I tried playing that, but couldn't pick it up. And then you inspired me to go back and pick it up <laughs> and beat it. And it now is one of my favorite games ever because, frankly, it's amazing. But. Um, Yes. Yeah, I mean, I honestly do think that the Mass Effect series is one of those, like, you know, seminal series of in, in my kind of growing up where I was like, oh, like, video games can do this? Like, this is like a huge space opera where, you know, interesting characters and, you know, going to distant worlds and fighting and there's an it's RPG and all the games connect. Like, it was, it was a crazy, ambitious, huge thing. Um so I think that's definitely like, um, I I think I knew I wanted to get into games before that, but that's when I was like, wow, like video games are, you know, can really do some amazing things. Right. I think a lot. I think a lot of people, kind of in, especially the entertainment industry, kind of have that realization at some point, where they see some movie or some video game or some piece of music, where it's like you can do that with, you know, a video game or that with camera work, like. I I think that's um and it's always interesting to hear what people kind of say is that turning point for them. Um you know, for me it was Adam wanting to do this podcast with me. And so <laughs> that was just so inspiring yeah. that now we're, your life. we're so famous because of it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, of course. Yeah, yes. thank you. Thank you for recognizing our fame. Yeah. Um but I and that's um you know, I'm sure that anybody at Firaxis would have a million other different video games that they would say would kind of be their Mass Effect series or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think a lot of a lot of people I talk to, you know, play. Yeah, you know, I think RPGs are like generally it because they have there's so many great classic ones like Chrono Trigger, or whatever, Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy VI. You know, have this high emotional impact that. You know, and this are these big long experiences that are very like so different from you know. I think the distance from like what a video game is versus other types of media is like much farther than like movie versus book or something like that, right? It's like such like because the interactivity is is such a you know different thing, right? Yeah. What um what kind of games are you playing now? I know you mentioned Switch and PC games, but what are you playing now? Yeah, I um, lots and lots I, of mahjong. Yeah, I, <laughs> just pinball. I only play analog <laughs> games now. Of course. Um, so I've I 
I recently just I just finished Fire Emblem. I play like most tactics games as like a semi work related thing. Gotcha. I do enjoy the genre, but I really enjoyed the new Fire Emblem Three Houses. Nice. Um, I I just started up Disco Elysium, which is a RPG detective thing that has like really really good writing. I'm not that far into it, but it's been getting like really great reviews. So I was like, I gotta check this out. I've heard nothing um, but good things about Disco Elysium. And I have it, and I need to start playing it. It's just, I've heard amazing things about it. It sounds like an amazing game. Yeah, so I'm I'm pumped to invest some hours into it when I have some more time. Um, when you're not then, when you're not doing world famous podcasts. Yes, <laughs> I wish I always am. You know. Thank you, Adam, for bringing it back to us. You're welcome. Anytime. Yeah. Make it about me. Um, <laughs> And then I play, I have a, you know, we're on Discord now. I have a group of kind of Discord friends that we play multiplayer stuff. Like I play some Overwatch or um, I've been playing for a while. I was like really into the like auto chess style games like Dota Underlords. Nice. Um, Cool. But we also play like Steam released their remote play together thing, which lets you play local multiplayer games through Steam together. Right. I like emulating your controller on their computer which is crazy oh wow so we've been playing a bunch of weird you know local multiplayer games with friends which has been fun nice. sweet so it is there ever a point where you like after a long week of work you don't even want to touch like a video game like have you found yourself almost not like wanting to play more video games or has your passion for video games kind of stayed the same since you started working for for Axis? It's, um, it's, you know, there's definitely days where, like, I don't want to, uh, I, like, I just want to, like, relax and not interact with stuff. I don't think it's really, like, I'm turned off to video games in general, though. Right. Um, I think even with, you know, when I play games with friends, it's more of a social experience, and games are just kind of, like, the background to that, so I, I still find myself doing that a lot. Um, I do, like, definitely, like, my free time is mostly on the weekend, so I, I don't find myself, you know, being like, this weekend, I'm just going to play video games. Right. Because, <laughs> like, my life is just, like, video games all the time sometimes. Right. Like, I, I make them, and then you, like, read about them or watch videos about them, and it's just like, okay, I need to, <laughs> you know, go do yoga or something. Nice. Um, do, when you play video games, especially ones that, obviously, you did not develop yourself are are you overly critical? Like it, you you said you do it a little bit. You know, you, some of the games you play are for work. Is it like you know competitive research essentially? But do you? Yeah, I, I for for example, when I was in the bike industry, every time I would see a bike and see how it was specced out and or ride a competitor's bike, I that's all I would think about. And he would voice his opinions out loud and say how shitty oh, the yeah. other bike was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What a terrible bike you're riding. <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I think I, I'm generally not too critical of... I'm pretty good at just kind of taking in the experience as it is. I definitely... Um, well, if I'm doing like playing games that are kind of work adjacent, I, I try to be a little more in tune to like... Uh, precise criticism or what what's going well in their design and what I, I think could be better and I generally like have that on a little bit whenever I'm playing games of like what is you know 
what's working well about this experience, what's not. Um, but I don't really um, find myself getting too critical or cynical about games. I still really enjoy, you know, games that can take you on whatever journey they want. Um, I think the, the thing that happens more is I, with certain systems or mechanics, I can, like, kind of picture, like, the compromises that were made to make it work better. Like, there's so many, like, things that, you know, you're, you're doing to save time slash money when you're making a game that, um, or it's like, there's some problems that are like extremely difficult to do. And, you know, you kind of pick those up as you make games. Like there's things like, it's really hard for, you know, if a care like there's never been a game ever where someone's like taken off an item of clothing. Like that's just like impossible to do. Right. <laughs> you think you've seen it, but it was faked. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, uh, like if having someone like take their shirt off or something in the game is like impossible to do. Um, having two characters like interact t- together in like a physically realistic way is pretty tough. So a lot of that kind of gets abstracted, or it's like in a cutscene or something, right? Like where everything's animated. Right. Uh, okay. Um, um. So, kind of on that point, one of the most hyped games of twenty twenty or twenty nineteen, excuse me, was Anthem. Um, and that was the aftermath of that was kind of the plague of, and this is me, the layperson, not being in the industry at all and not knowing what goes into barely knowing what goes into making a video game, but the design choices they made and the issues with the loading screens they had and just how it seemed like a bunch of compromises were made. Do you, when you are kind of seeing a game like that that is hyped so much and then for it to kind of come crashing, to, to me, the outsider looks like it's come crashing down, do you have those same kind of, not complaints, but, um, well, I'll just say complaints. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mark, are you like still I, even there? <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I still have, you know, as a player of games, I still have complaints about how some things work or if I think a monetization scheme is not player-friendly or that, you know, balance things are too slow or whatever it is. Like, I, I still have those complaints. I, def, I definitely have much more sympathy for the for the devs on the other side of that, I think, than a standard, you know, player would have. Um, in the case of, like, Anthem, you know, I, I didn't play it, so I can't give, you know, very specific notes, but I I feel like I read a big article about you know it was just kind of like a project mismanagement nightmare so I like I really sympathize with the devs cuz I think from what I've seen and what I've heard like there's a lot of the a lot of love went into it it just didn't all pan out like the flying and stuff felt really good and it looked good but it just didn't all come together in a way that that players wanted right. and that's you know that's really tough as like a developer where you know they're probably working a lot of extra time to try to finish this thing get it out the door you know that's like generally the case if like there's a thing that comes out and it's you know pretty buggy or has those kind of um things wrong with it that, that seem more obvious it's probably like um even like it's just like a bunch of people put in a bunch of extra time to even get it to that point right um well and you could be like bethesda and call a bug a feature oh yeah taking down bethesda oh <laughs> Bethesda, I have a lot of friends with Bethesda. You can't. <laughs> I think what you know, stuff like that. Where I think Bethesda is funny because they've used, you know, they've obviously improved the engine, but it's like 
a, a similar engine as they've used a lot in a lot of their games, and right. they'll have kind of these legacy bugs that have been around for a while. And, um, you know, but it's like making games is like, especially if you're a producer or involved in production of like managing the team, like there's this huge prioritization you have to do all the time. And those things are probably like, well, players were fine with it back then. Right. Get to it if you get to it. And you just, they just never got to it. Gotcha. So, um, so I have some sympathy there. I'm sure there's some engine programmer somewhere that knows how to fix it. If he was just given, you know, a week to do so or something like that. Right. Do do you have any funny anecdotes or anything from your from no. past? No, come on, Mark. <laughs> well, asked and answered. I mean, kind of asked. Mark kind of just cut Adam off. <laughs> uh, I was going to ask if you had any funny anecdotes of our prior ha- prior meetings and interactions in college, but I guess not, Mark. <laughs> no uh, cherished, no cherished memories yeah, there. I see. No, uh, like just in your day to day, do you? Are there things that make you chuckle throughout the day, like little oddities of the video game industry that you don't think are you that you wouldn't find in other more other work environments, if you will? I don't know if you know every day is like a, a laugh a minute or anything. <laughs> I I do really enjoy my job, and um, I think what you know I've only done this mostly, so I, I can't speak to everyone else's job. But I think what differentiates a lot is you know a lot of the people I work with are know i'm actually friends with and are like really interesting creative people um and you know if there there's generally not that much workplace conflict and if there is it's all very mature and you know of course there's exceptions wherever but at least in my experience it's been you know a lot of mutual respect with everyone's coworkers. um so i find that very nice it takes a you know that i don't have to worry about people i don't like or whatever at my work or people I don't think are working hard. Like everyone is super passionate about what they're doing. So nice. makes it a lot easier. Um, and funny stuff that happens. I mean, uh, like there's a lot of, like you'll get a lot of bugs that are, are pretty funny. We had one uh, on X2 where it came from, like we added a destruction effect for like most objects in the game. And we just like hooked it up, and we had a default one. It was like, well, we don't have time to make a specific one. We'll just hook this up to all of them. And uh, that was attached to like tons of objects in the game. And, and then, but one of those was ladders, and like ladders triggered an interact, so that w- and then it caused the explosion effect. <laughs> so like you would climb up ladders, and it would just detonate. It was, it was like, what is going on? That's awesome. <laughs> um, if I may change the subject a little bit to something maybe a little less fun and i think adam uh-huh. maybe wanted to discuss it um a little bit too i did maybe i thought you mentioned that at the beginning before we started talking to mark but maybe you were <laughs> lying about what you wanted to talk about um Uh-oh. should i be here this is getting pretty <laughs> yeah see the thing we I, when you were talking about your nice work environment, I was like, wow, that sounds nice. Working with Adam is such a chore. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe it. <laughs> um, but a lot of this past year, we've heard there's been a lot coming out about some aspects of the game, video game industry, like Time Crunch and the... Um, who is it? League of Legends? The developer does League of Legends... 
Riot, yeah. Um, Riot, thank you. Um, their issues and allegations at their company about sexual harassment and just a lot of terrible things. Um, how uh, how is comment Mark? Yes, <laughs> comment. Um, Go. Oh. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, I guess based on your talking about your work environment, that is very different than what we've heard from the other aspects or other corners of the video game industry. How does Firaxis kind of set itself apart if you can talk about that? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, we, I think we're slanted a little older and kind of more family focused. Um, I don't want to like put it up like Firaxis does problems that we're working to solve. I don't, I don't think they involve a lot of like sexual harassment stuff or whatever the, the stories were, but you know, I've I've crunched to finish out to hit deadlines and stuff, and it's and it's not fun, right? Um, but we try to, you know, what I what I take away from Praxis and the people I work with that are, you know, responsible for that kind of thing. Which you know, as I move up, I'm more and more involved in that too. Is you know, making sure we plan better and um, kind of hit put milestones at realistic points and are very upfront with what we think it's going to take to hit them so that people don't have to kind of get ground in the dust to hit these milestones, which are just like things that are put in there in the future for from some really abstract reasoning, right? It's not like if we don't hit that date, we're going to, we're going to lose billions. Like right. it's not, <laughs> it's just a date that we thought we would be at about this point in the project at. Gotcha. Um, so, you know, my general sense is that, you know, at Paraxis, we're, we're trying to improve our processes. I'm sure a lot of studios are doing this too, that, so we don't have to crunch. Um, as I've kind of moved into more leadership stuff, like I said, like I'm definitely trying to be cognizant of the design decisions I make because a lot of times there's a huge kind of downslope of who that affects. Like if an XCOM, if you make an ability, it's like, well, like I'll design what it does and then someone programs it an animator animates a character that does it and a VFX artist puts effects on it and then an audio person um, you know puts sound to that and right. maybe like you user interface people need to get involved too like it's a, it's a lot of people for just like one thing and a lot of those people are like way down the line like you can't do audio until you have the animations and effects hooked up because you need to know what it looks like for to figure out what it sounds like right huh. crazy um, that's that's really that's fascinating actually. I'm learning so much uh, actually. Um Adam, I you mentioned talking wanting to talk about something about the video game industry. Was I making this shit up? I could have sworn you said I want to ask Mark something specifically. <sighs> or now that you've heard both mine and his sultry tones, you've lost <sighs> all control of your body. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> um not, nothing immediate that comes to mind. I think my... my Adam co- went like on a whole... T- like I got to his house and it was like a 10-minute tirade about something about the video game industry. And I think Adam actually... All right. I think what it was is Adam wants, has a, his own video game pitch that he uh, <laughs> was trying to pitch to me. I was like, Adam, I'm not yeah. Mark. I'm not Mark. I don't have the, uh, you know, even the skill set to even get this started. So... Maybe in a couple minutes, Adam will remember maybe, what his maybe. video game was. I, I will say, like, Firaxis has... The the studio itself has a special place in my heart. 
um, because one of the first games I ever played was Sid Meier's Gettysburg. And uh-huh. I, was, I was like, what, mid to late 90s at best? Something like that. I, think. Well, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think that's, I think that's ag- actually Fraxis's first game. Cool. Oh. Some of the... Uh, I I hope that's correct. I do work there. We have <laughs> all these posters up. Because um, because Fraxis like in, in Sid Meier used to be at a company called Microprose, where like Civilization One was like a Microprose game. Um, we actually did, sorry, Mark. We actually did a whole episode about the Civilization video game series. Really? Yes, we mentioned you. Um, <laughs> And we mentioned. And you didn't oh, I listened to that for sure. Uh, <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. You didn't listen. <laughs> gotcha. I listened to like your first episode. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> all right, mom. I'm a busy man. I can't even play video games all the time. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> shit. Um, no, the uh, so first of all, is there any chance that Sid will revive that? Because I know that. World War, you know, Civil War, real time strategy games are top of mind for a lot of people. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a hot commodity. Everyone's <laughs> trying to make that. Um, it's that and Fortnite. <laughs> yeah, neck and neck. I think. Um, you head on over to Twitch right now. You'll see a bunch of Civil War stuff. Forty Fortnite um, and Gettysburg. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I don't want to. I don't want to give a definitive answer because I can't. But I, uh, I don't want to uh, sugarcoat this. I, I seriously doubt it. <laughs> Dang it. All right, Gettysburg two confirmed. This, in, this interview's <laughs> yeah. over. Right. Gettysburgening. Uh, Gettysburg two electric boogaloo. How, how about this? A an XCOM mod with Civil War era weapons. How about that? Oh yeah. There's probably already one. I don't know. There's so many XCOM 2 mods. Actually, can I talk about that, Mark, for a second? And Adam, if you'll give me permission? No. Damn it. All right. Well, then, Mark, you'll just be you and me talking about it. Okay. So um, I know that XCOM Enemy Unknown came out before you kind of got to Firaxis and started working on XCOM, but I read somewhere that XCOM 2, XCOM Enemy Unknown was more was harder to mod on PC, whereas XCOM 2 was easier to mod. And as you said, there are tons and tons of mods out there for it. Does that, the idea of, because uh, for the layperson who may not know, Mark, what are PC game modifications for people who don't know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's basically uh, community-made content or thing that uh, people will make and change stuff about your game there's a lot of cosmetic ones like you know people are dressing adding more stuff for their XCOM soldiers to wear um but there's also like we for X2 we actually hired some modders from XCOM EU to do like a big mod as like a showcase for the modability of it because it was the Um, long war mod group right yeah yes yeah and you know the XCOM EU was like really tough to to mod like it was tough to work in that like it was like my job to like do stuff in that engine and it was kind of tough mm-hmm. um we kind of like did an overhaul of a lot of stuff going into two um because it's built on like it's in unreal three like a lot of like fortnite and stuff is on unreal four mm-hmm. um it's a game engine yes uh yeah and then uh 
Epic There's, Epic Games is right it's down just, the street. It's just like pretty. It's pretty old at this point. <laughs> right. Gotcha. Yeah. Epic Games is based here in Cary, North Carolina. Yep. Yep. Yeah, we see people on the street corners just flossing, doing the floss dance all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Totally. We're we're in a cool spot, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Um, kind of getting wrapping up towards the end of the episode. Um, usually with our sections, we kind of talk about why you heart whatever the subject is, but with video game design, I guess we've kind of got a good picture of it, but I guess what really keeps you going with video game design and what makes you so passionate enough about it that you want to continue working in the environment you're in? Sure, I think <laughs> I didn't um, make. I, I, mean, very, I, I know my question is so good that it made you speechless. <laughs> like, oh my, oh my. <laughs> you know, I like I said, it's it's my favorite kind of artistic medium that I consume art in, and I, you know, I really, you know, I'm a creative person. Like, I want to be doing creative stuff. Like, all we were in a band together. <laughs> yeah, you know this. Um, <laughs> I do know this. Yeah, remember. Um, <laughs> Wait, hold on. I always you hold know, on. Let's always play wanted. one of our let's play one of our band songs. Um, all right, we'll just leave it blank here to play a "Kiss the Devil" song. All yep. right, and then we're back. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, what a what a great tune! That was me yelling. I think. Um, but I always want to kind of get this creative energy out, and it's you know really satisfying to do it uh, professionally, and you know the part of you know making games with a team of other creative people that you're kind of riffing off of and getting inspired by um is just is very satisfying so um to be able to do this for a living is like you know really a dream come true at a grander level like um theoretically theoretically in the future are there things about the current state of video game technology that you would like to see overcome so that you can um like bring to life some of the artistic ideas that you have stashed away in your head you don't have to give specifics but like are there are there certain concepts or things that you would like to like to see um improved about video game design that's a pretty broad question um (laughs) you could also just answer it as yes (laughs) Oh yeah, of course, of course. No, I think you know. I always like to see um, just new things. Like I, I do play a lot of indie games, which are you know kind of where you get a lot of like the new IPs or like just the singular new thing. Um, I think uh, in the AAA industry, like I'm in, like we work in a lot of IPs and are able to do a lot of creative stuff. Um, but I'm interested to see like. What what is just like the brand new thing instead of um, what's the sequel to this franchise that's been around for a long time? That's kind of like weird for me to say. Both both of our major franchises have been around for a long time, right? I think I think we're doing a lot of interesting stuff within them, um, but and I think like as far as game technology goes, um, I think it's kind of like in game making technology that I'm excited. Like there's been like game engines are like. Unity's free. You can make games in Unreal Four for free. It's like it's never been easier to kind of get in at the ground floor. So 
I mean, it does result in, like, a lot of, like, there's just a high volume of stuff that's, like, not quite there yet. Um, but it's also, like, if anyone, more and more people can make games, you know, you get people with different perspectives, um, different life experiences making something that, like, maybe, you know, I would never, you know, think to make because I just don't have those experiences. So that's really exciting. Yeah. Cool. What do you think the future of gaming and VR is? Uh, I think VR is, is, I think, is really cool. Like, I have a VR headset. Um, you know, I think they're, I mean, Half-Life Alex coming out this year. Oh, yeah, here it comes. <laughs> uh, Half-Life 3, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right I mean... B- right behind it. I mean, Valve, I'm sure, is going to kill it, so yeah, I'm excited about that. Uh, with VR, like, Everyone that I have kind of, like, showed VR to has, like, really enjoyed it. I think it's just kind of, like, I think it's getting better. Like, there's the Oculus uh, Quest or whatever that doesn't require a computer mm-hmm. to use. Um, but it's, like, it's, you know, pretty cost prohibitive. Just like PC gaming kind of is. Like, it's a very high upfront cost to get into it. Even though, it, like, I think it ends up being cheaper than console gaming because the games are so discounted right. on digital storefronts. But it's, like, that's... Not everyone's going to be able to justify spending, like, my Vive is, like, six, seven, eight hundred dollars something like that. It's really expensive. <laughs> I was yeah. like, I do it for a living. I should probably. <laughs> um, it's a tax write-off for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you, uh... there, there's cheaper ones out there, but I think VR is in a really exciting spot. But I'd be interested to see, you know, what is what is the audience like? I think that's the... There was kind of like a mini VR boom when it all started kind of, you know, Oculus was coming up and Vive was coming out. And that's kind of the, the decisions like a bunch of companies had to make was like, how many people are going to like own these things that right. is it worth investing, like making games for? And for some people it has been. And, you know, I think a lot of people decided like, well, it's not worth like totally pivoting um, to make games for it. Yeah. Gotcha. Huh. That's cool. Awesome. Um, is there anything else you want to add, Mark? Um, we really appreciate you coming on and talking with us. It's been a blast. Yeah, man, it's been, it's been fun. I'm I'm happy to educate people about about video games and how they're made. I think I think if there's any like complaints I have about video game fandom besides you know the obvious trolls and some terrible sexist stuff or whatever, yeah. That, uh, you know, I'm not gonna get into that. But there's a bunch <laughs> of bad apples too. But um, it's like there's a general kind of lack of understanding of how games are made i think in the uh in the game fandom audience and the more and more stuff that people can hear or see of like oh like that's maybe that's why this turned out this way or why they made that decision the better yeah totally well thank i mean uh, and i know adam said it but i totally agree with him i learned a lot today just by our short conversation and i'm sorry it won't be longer mark but, oh man! <laughs> but you said specifically in your contract you wouldn't talk for five hours, and I was like, I am just hard. I'm a blast noise. <laughs> right. <laughs> Ruin your ears if we go past too long. Yeah, I, I hope your you. I hope your green room setup was appropriate. Uh, yeah. You know. Yep. Yeah. We'll, we'll 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 talk with your agent afterwards. And All see the you. blue M and M's were taken yeah. out of your M M&M and yeah. M bowl. <laughs> I hate those. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. Um. Thank you again, Mark. Um, sure. If we can, why don't we hop into recommendations? Sure. 
Um, Adam, do you remember what we recommended to each other last time? Not a clue. <laughs> Me neither. So, so. <laughs> you, know, you know what, Dan? I was thinking about this. Maybe this is like the uh, the car talk shtick where they ask about the, the weekly puzzler. And uh, uh, Tom always asks Ray, like, hey, Ray, did, did, you remember the, did you remember the puzzler from last week? And he goes, no, I didn't. And he says, yeah, it was this one. Um, <laughs> well, I'm Click and you're Clack and... <laughs> <laughs> um, Mark, what would you like to recommend to us today, whether it be video game, movie, book, something that you've really been jonesing hard on? Um, well, I've I've been trying to get back into exploring a lot of new music lately, um, and I've been really enjoying uh, Poppy's new album, I Disagree, came out early this year, like a week ago, something like that. It's Poppy is this crazy, um, just a pop artist but also has a lot of like metal and industrial and progressive rock sounds and her songs kind of do these like big shifts from being like really heavy into being like super catchy dreamy pop it's it's an amazing um kind of like sound that like i don't think anyone else has so um if you're into any of those things or or not I, i would recommend checking out poppy it's really um interesting and i think you know worth the listen awesome cool i think i remember you i think you tweeted about that recently or put it on facebook recently um oh yeah i will definitely check that out because i'm just you know constantly updating my facebook and twitter feed to see what you're saying uh <sighs> mark <laughs> yeah please tell me <laughs> yeah um adam what would you like to recommend so i can't actually remember what i recommended last week did i recommend watching lost in space you might have, yeah. Or did I just text that to you? You texted me it. Okay. Why don't we say this is your, even if it's a two-episode right. two recommendation, because I definitely Double wreck. Do. Yeah, <laughs> double wreck, because he loves it so much. Um, I would rec- recommend watching the Netflix show Lost in Space. They are cur- there are currently two seasons out there. It is entertaining. I won't say that it is the greatest thing since The Sopranos. It's a, it's like <laughs> a, it's, it's a pretty campy sci-fi series flick but it like it it entertained me way more than i thought it would gotcha so. nice hey, I, daniel or mark have either of you seen that series i have not i have not either i did read about it when it was coming out because of course you know it's based loosely on the old lost in space series right. so i'm sure it's exactly like the old campy stuff i i actually think that What's impressed me so far about it is the kids in the series act really, really well. Nice. Like that, I actually think their acting is some like, of the best in, out of the entire cast. Like they act like good little kids. Like yes. they're not smoking cigarettes and yeah, not they're, drinking. They're so well behaved. <laughs> <laughs> Adam's just like, wow, I want my kids to be like that. Exactly. So. <laughs> nice. Um, Adam, I think last time I recommended you watch the HBO series Watchmen. Yes. Did you watch any of that? I, I, so I think I said I watched the first episode and I just haven't gotten the chance to like sit down and watch the rest. Um, I believe you also recommended that I listen to um, the last podcast on your, no, uh, the funny one. Shit. <laughs> oh, Comedy wow. Bang Not Bang. This one. <laughs> oh, 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 Mark. Dang Mark. It. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we just hear Mark in the background for the next five minutes congratulating himself on that joke. Who's he high fiving over there? Yeah. So many of them. 
Yes, Adam, it was. I recommended you listen to the Comedy Bang Bang yes. Best of for 2019. So I did listen to those. You did? And they, they were inter- highly entertaining. Did you so. listen to the first, like the, it was part four of the Comedy Bang Bang? I started at part one. Okay. And went through part I got through part two. In okay. Yeah. Get, to, I mean, cause part four will have the best episodes from 2019. Okay. And it is fucking hilarious. There's an amazing bit where Batman is a guest on the podcast. It is so good. <laughs> oh boy. Um, <laughs> and what about you, Daniel? What are you recommending to, uh, for us this week? Shit. Now I need to think of something. Okay. I know what you should listen to Adam. Okay. So is there, there's this great podcast that's much more popular than ours. Like most podcasts in the world. No way. What? We have billions of listeners. <laughs> yep. Daniel. <laughs> it's Hard hitting. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, it is a podcast on the maximum fun network. It is called, uh, the flop house. It is a bad movie review podcast, just like every bad movie review podcast but they've been okay. around for 10 years now is is it similar along the lines of like how did this get made kind of they do like a synopsis and then talk about the movie and then decide whether or not it was a, a good bad movie a bad bad movie or a movie they kind of liked gotcha but they just did an episode on rise of skywalker oh which i think you will find hilarious oh, because boy. it will address all of your um all the things that you made that made you upset about the movie. So yes, please listen to the Flophouse podcast, uh, Rise of Skywalker episode. I will absolutely do that. Yes, um, Mark, that recommendation goes for you too. If you want to listen to the Flophouse, but I think you're already gone. So yeah, I've, I've checked out long ago. <laughs> you fired up your uh, VR headset, and you're already. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm in another world, buddy. <laughs> you're playing Skyrim VR right now. I see that you're awake. <laughs> <laughs> um, but sincerely, sincerely, thank you so much, Mark, for talking to us. Um, is there any way or any any way, anywhere that people can reach out to you on social medias if you want to talk about that or no? Do not want yeah, that out if, there. Yeah, uh, if, you know, my, my Twitter is, you know, my my public face out there it's <laughs> at M- M Nada. if people want to follow me or you know vent at me about their frustrations in XCOM I, I get that sometimes you'll, and I get it you'll just complete. you missed that shot you know <laughs> yeah it was uh, 75% Mark <laughs> come on yeah, pretty much 100 right yeah <laughs> right. <laughs> we are your biggest fans other than your parents so just remember just, <laughs> just remember that next time you kiss them goodnight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Picture me right there. Um, yeah, so uh, <laughs> on that note, people can reach you at Twitter at mnauta. <laughs> I think we're nice, just, nice segue. This, that was so smooth. This conversation started. <laughs> Shit. Um, we are, of course, on Twitter at PassionFruitsP2. Instagram at Passion Fruits Podcast, and you can email us at passionfruitspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much, Mark, um, and thank you everybody for stopping by. Bye.